How can you be a good leader for your dog? And how do you know you're not being a bad leader for your dog? Oftentimes we get this notion from other people who have dogs or if you've read books or a quick internet search that you need to be your dog's leader. You have to be the alpha. You have to control the pack mentality, otherwise your dog will be absolutely bananas. That is not necessarily true. However, you do need to be responsible and the leader for your dog. My name is Michael Asetta. I've trained thousands and thousands of dogs. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance, author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, and host of the Acknowledge Dogs podcast. Thanks for jumping in with me today. We are diving in how you can be a really effective leader, how it is your responsibility to teach your dog and train them in the situations that you need them to listen, you need them to focus. If you don't do these things, your dog will most likely have problem behaviors, never listen to you, and can cause damage to your property, damage to themselves or other people. So it is imperative, imperative, highly important that you take responsibility for your dog's actions. And that is number one. You are responsible. You have to take control for whatever your dog does. If your dog chews on the couch, that's your responsibility. If your dog pees on the floor, it's your responsibility. If your dog bites another person, it's your responsibility. It should always fall on you. Now, there is four. I'm actually going to, uh, this is not in my, my notes for today, but I'm going to dive in a little bit here. Based off your responsibility and how you accept that criticism will determine how well you fix the problem. So, you can either be a placator, a blamer, a computer, a distractor, or a leveler. These are called satire modes. This is a little bit of your personality type, but it can be improved over time. The best dog trainers in the world are all levelers. What does that mean? A leveler is the ideal trainer and dog owner because of their level of responsibility, take on responsibility if it is indeed their responsibility. They'll put the responsibility on the dog if indeed it is true that it is the dog's responsibility. And they have this happy medium. But the most important trait of a leveler, someone who can think level-headed, think about it like that, the most important trait is that they are looking for a solution. If you're not looking for a solution, you could fall into the other category. So a placator takes all the blame, takes all the responsibility from themselves, but it's only to appease somebody. So if I were coaching you and I said, hey, you got to do this with your dog. Why aren't you doing it? You said, you know, it's my fault. You know, I, I just, I've been so stressed out lately. I can't really think of what, you know, oh man. And you take all this responsibility on, you haven't solved the problem. But you're taking the blame on yourself so it doesn't go on your dog. You are placating to me. You're trying to make me feel better, but it's not going to solve the problem for you. That's why I'm your coach. That's why I would guide you through it. I say, okay, that's not going to solve our problem. What we need to do is figure out how we can work with your schedule. Now, if we move into the next stop, a blamer is going to blame the dog or in other scenarios in life, they're going to blame something else. So in the case of your dog, you'd say, well, my dog's just not getting it. They're stupid. Okay, well, maybe we need to change our training plan. Nope, they just, they're not going to get it. They're stupid. You are blaming the dog. You're blaming them for their incability, incability, <laughs> their inability to learn the behavior. That's not true. Dogs are insanely, insanely smart. So if you can teach them what you want them to do, they will do it over and over and over again, sometimes pestering you, but you have to be able to teach them. So you can't put the blame on your dog if I critique you for not doing your work. You can't move the blame over there. You're not going to solve the problem. You have to take the responsibility. Now, you could jump into a computer. A computer is somebody who uses science and logic to try to get out of the problem. 
they'll say, oh, well, I only had 14 minutes to train with my dog, and I figured that it wasn't enough time to adequately assess the situation and work on the behaviors I needed to work on. 14 minutes was plenty enough time. That's an excuse. But you're still not looking to solve the problem. To solve the problem, you might say, okay, well, how can I do a training session in 14 minutes? How can I prep my training beforehand so that I can do a really good training session in 14 minutes? Multiple training sessions in 14 minutes. That would be a lot better. And then the fourth version, right? We have placator, we have blamer, we have computer, and then we have a distractor. That's number four. A distractor is somebody who goes through all of these different satire modes. That's what they're called, satire modes. They go through the placator, the blamer, and the computer to completely avoid taking on any responsibility. So if I said, hey, why didn't you work with your dog? Oh, you know, it's my fault. I was really busy and I was thinking about other things. That's placator. Okay, well, did you, did you at least get a couple minutes in here and there? Well, you know, I had a five-minute break and I, I didn't think it was enough time to work with my dog, so I didn't. Okay, that's a computer. Okay, well, you know, did you train with your dog at all in the last week? Absolutely, but my dog is stupid. They're just not getting it. I mean, okay. So we've just gone through all three of those and you are curtailing around the problem, which is you're not working with your dog. So as your coach, I would have to stop you and say, all right, know that you will never get any progress if you don't actively work with your dog. Be a leveler. Think clear-headed. Now, could it be the dog's problem? Yeah, it could be. It could be the responsibility. And you have to know what the influences of behavior are. You can control a lot of what your dog can do. Teach them the new skills. We're going to go over that in a second. But there are some things like genetics and chemistry that falls onto your dog. Can you do anything about those? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, no. So you, again, have to take responsibility. Do I recognize that my dog has a genetic predisposition to do something? Sure. Does that mean I'm going to let it slide and use it as an excuse? No. Take responsibility. Every time your dog does something bad, take it personal. Not that they did it in spite of you to get you in trouble, but take it personal as, damn, I didn't train hard enough. I didn't do enough work with my dog. I didn't burn their energy. I didn't meet their mental requirements for the day that they did something bad. It's my fault. I didn't set things up in a situation where my dog is going to be successful to the point where now they're failing and it's my fault. So take on responsibility. That's number one. That's how you be a good leader for your dog. You take responsibility. Number two is management. I talk about this all the time. Management is a huge proponent to fixing any problem behavior. Any problem behavior that you have using management will not fix it, but it will prolong the inevitability of them doing the bad behavior. What do I mean by that? If your dog chews on stuff, chews on your shoes, chews on the wooden chair, whatever it is, either you should watch them 24-7, you should put all of the things that they like to chew on away, so put your shoes away, clean up your space, or crate train them. Those are three management practices that you can implement today to stop them from chewing. That's what it's all about. How can I stop my dog right now, today, control their environment so that they're no longer practicing the bad behavior? Because if they practice the bad behavior, it will become repeated. They will continue to do it over and over. And then it gets reinforced and it becomes harder to break. So if you manage it, if you control it, it's easier to get to the good stuff. Now, if you're struggling with problem behaviors, I have a link in the description about resolving complicated bad habits without using punishment. And one of the steps is management. I go in a little bit more depth. I give you a little bit more practices and techniques that you can do to manage the situation. So there it is. You've got to manage it. Now, after you've managed it, you could manage the rest of your dog's life. You absolutely could. 
Why not? Many people do that. The dog wears a muzzle their whole life. They're crate trained their whole life. They never see other people or other dogs because they're reactive to those things. I knew a, a lovely, lovely woman who confined herself. She basically became a hermit and went in isolation besides the training sessions that we were doing because she was finally fed up of being a hermit. And her dog didn't like people, didn't want to socialize, didn't want to go outside. And so she just lived inside with the dog. She had her food delivered. She couldn't leave the dog alone. It had created such an attachment to her. She'd have her food delivered. She'd have people randomly come over, but then they would stand outside and she would hang outside with them. She couldn't have anybody in the house. And she became really constricted because of all the management she was doing. And she never taught the dog until we started doing training sessions. She never was able to teach the dog what it should be doing and how it can act in life. And because she did that for such a long time, it took much longer to fix the problem than if she had just started right away. So you can manage your dog's whole life. I don't think it's ideal though. Your, your dog's quality of life is going to go down. Your quality of life is going to go down. And it would be much easier to move into the next spot of being a good leader for your dog. And that's teaching them. Teach your dog everything that you want them to know. Everything you want them to know, you should be responsible, manage, and teach them what you want them to do. I don't want my dog running out the front door. Great. Let's teach them not to. Regardless of what's going on, let's teach them when the door is open, you should sit. You should down. Oh, Michael, that sounds so easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first part. Make the commitment to teaching them what you want them to do. And look at every area of your life. Every area of your life, your dog can be learned on something. They can learn something. Oh, I'm going to have my dog get the leash. That makes it easier for me. And my dog now has a job, so they're not running around when I grab the leash. When I pick the leash up, most dogs run around. Oh my God, we're going outside. It's going to be great. It's fantastic. I love it. Well, I'm going to just slow down. Let me just slow down. Let me give them something to do. Now, when they do want to go outside, their first thought is, ooh, let me go get the leash. Then let me come and sit, and I'll wait patiently. Now I pick up the leash from their mouth, clip it onto the collar, and we go about our business. So you can teach your dog to do things that help your environment, help burn their energy, their mental energy. It's a wonderful bonding between the two of you, and it limits the problem behaviors that come up. Crate training is another perfect example. It kind of ties into the management, but if my dog's going to be chewing on the couch, I'd much rather do crate training. If my dog is pestering me while I'm working, I'm standing here doing my live for my show, or I'm, I'm with a client, or I'm writing notes, or I'm reading a book, whatever it is, I want my dog to lay next to me, calm and relax. So I'm going to teach that. One of the first things I taught my dog, besides walking on leash, was when I sat down in a chair, he'd sit down right next to me. Every single time I sat down, he would lay down. I'd even get up intentionally to reset the behavior so that I could sit back down and have him sit so he could practice. That's what you should do. That's the teaching phase I'm talking about. Teach your dog exactly what you want them to do, and it becomes much easier for them to coexist in the environment. Now, you can't just stop at teaching. Teaching is the precision of the behavior. It's the latency of the behavior, so you've added the cue. And then you got to move into the training phase. This is where most people talk about distance, duration, and distraction, and this is next on the list. You can teach your dog what to do, but to be a really good leader of your dog, you have to train them. So you have to actually work around things that your dog is uncomfortable in and teach them that the behavior is still the same. If I go to McDonald's, my dog's going to sit next to me. If I go to a restaurant, my dog will sit next to me. If I sit at a desk, my dog will sit next to me. If I go to the library, my dog will sit next to me. That is fully teaching the behavior to the point where they're comfortable, they're confident, and I'm giving them treats the whole time, so I'm rewarding the behavior and how fantastic the engagement is 
I want them focused. I want them engaged with me. And if I don't do that, and I expect them to do it, and they don't do it, now I'm punishing them. So am I being a good leader? No. A leader guides individuals through trouble, through obstacles. Does not push them through. Does not boss them through. It goes through with them. You are going on the training journey with your dog. So if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to guide your dog, you don't have to be alpha. You don't have to dominate them. You have to be disciplined enough to practice with them over and over until they can't get it wrong. Not until they get it right, until they can't get it wrong. And then we move into the last piece here. And this is proofing it or testing it in new environments that your dog has never trained in before. This is very tricky to do successfully. And most of the time, I would say you have to do a chunk, a chunk of your life with your dog should be in the training phase. The only time we really get to the testing phase is when you don't have treats, you're not prepared, but you need your dog to do it. If 80% of your training is treats, rewards, keeping them engaged, continuous intermittent variable schedule, working on duration and distance, and building all of these variables that we love to work on and talk about, and then 20% of the time, oh, I really need my dog to sit, but I don't have any treats with me. Or I need them to relax so that they can go say hi to somebody. And even though that's training, I don't have something to reward them with directly. I got to use an indirect reward. I got to let them go say hi. That 20% of the time should be that test. Oh, I don't know if they're going to do it. And I'm going to keep it to that 20% because I want to really encourage the confidence and the behavior in that 80%. If I don't do that, if I rush that, I actually do 20% of training and expect them to respond 80% of the time, they're going to fail. The behavior is going to diminish. Problem behaviors are going to creep back up and it's not going to be enjoyable for me or my dog. So let's go through them all again. You have to be responsible for your dog's bad behavior. Take it personal. Man, I didn't, I didn't train them enough. I didn't do enough with them today to burn all of their energy and they had a problem because of it. Manage as much of the situations as possible. Control your dog's environment. You are their leader. Right? A, a corporal in the military controls every piece. I don't know if it's a corporal or a captain. You know, somebody high up there controls every single piece and they control the person below them and that person controls the person below them. Control every aspect of their life until you trust them enough to where you can give them the freedom. Once you give them the freedom to control somebody or something else, now we're good. Now I can relax. I can take the pressure off of you. But until then, I have to control every single thing from how you tie your shoes to how you clean something, how you brush your teeth. In the military, they are strict about it. and You should be strict about it with your dog. Control as much as you can. Teach them what you want them to know. If you want them to know to sit at the sidewalk when you get to the curb, teach them that. Teach them to do the things you want them to do. Train. With speed and motivation, increasing the duration, building the distance between you and your dog and having them still listen. And then you can start working on testing and proofing and all of these different distractions. If you have problem behaviors, make sure you take advantage of the PDF download below. It is a link uh, to a PDF. It's a nice short little read, but it'll help you end complicated behaviors without punishment. Also, the dog training cheat codes book I wrote, The Dog Training Cheat Codes, the first chapter is available for free and the book is also on sale. So if you just want to get the book, you can get the book for $15.99 at matadorcanine.com. If you want to get the first chapters free, see if you like it, training.matadorcanine.com slash DTCC1, Dog Training Cheat Codes 1. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time. Hello TikTok.